Father, we thank you today for the opportunity we have to worship you. Lord, we thank you for each one present here, those that may be in the cafe, those that are watching online. Lord, we thank you that you're here with us. Where there's two or more gathered in your name, you declared that you would be in our midst. So we thank you for your divine holy presence here in our midst today. It's your presence that makes all the difference in the world for us. And Lord, we thank you today as we approach your word today. We thank you that we have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit of God wants to impart to us today. So we open our hearts to you, Holy Spirit, and we thank you for a very fruitful and productive time this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So today, I, I, I feel impressed to, to really challenge you and encourage you to cultivate the presence of God in your life. Now, we're all at different stages and places, uh, but there's one thing we all need, and that is more of the presence of God in our life. I don't know about you, but what really, from my perspective, what distinguishes a believer from a non-believer is the Spirit of God in their life, the presence of God in their life. And so this morning, I want to share with you three encounters that Moses had with the presence of God. And those encounters that he had experienced in his life radically changed his life from dark to light. Amen. And so as we, uh, you know, take a look at what Moses experienced, there are some real powerful lessons that we can apply to our own personal lives as to what God wants to do in and through us. Amen. God wants to do something new and fresh in us all the time. He's not stale. He doesn't, you know, you think about the children of Israel in the Old Testament. They had fresh manna every day. God wants to do something fresh in our lives every day. And it all begins with us having an encounter with God in his divine presence. So let's talk about cultivating the presence of God in our life. I'd like to begin with Exodus chapter 3, where we see Moses' first encounter with the Lord. Now, when we look at this text of Scripture, let me give a little backdrop. Moses had, fl uh, had fleed from Egypt. Uh, Pharaoh put a contract out on his life, so he fled into the desert, and he ended up finding a place where he tended sheep for his father-in-law, got married, and so forth. And so he's out on the backside of the desert tending sheep. And here we pick up here in Exodus chapter 3, verse 10, it says, uh, God, he, excuse me, before this verse, Moses sees a burning bush. And that burning bush was not consumed by the fire. So he was curious about that. You know, maybe he was seeing a mirage in the desert. I don't know. But it drew him close to the burning bush. And there in that burning bush, God spoke to him. He had an encounter with the presence of God. Verse 10 says, now go. God is speaking here to, to Moses. And he says, I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Verse 12 says, God answered, I will be with you. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Such a simple promise. I will be with you, Moses. 
And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people of Egypt, excuse me, the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. Again, Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? Verse 14, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say that with me. I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. I love this picture because... Here is Moses, his first encounter with God, and when he goes into the presence of God, he goes in with all of his inadequacies, all of his shortcomings, all of his self-doubt, and he says to the Lord, Lord, who am I? Listen, it's not about who you are, it's whose you are. And so when Moses came into the presence of God, he was questioning God, he was declaring, who am I? But God responses, I am that I am. When we enter into the presence of God, we might run into uh, the presence of God with an inferiority complex, with uh, low self-esteem, uh, with all of our past on, our, on the forefront of our mind. We might think that we're unworthy to come into the presence of God. But when we have an encounter with the presence of God, God stamps his name upon us. It's not about who you are. It's about whose you are. You belong to God. His name has been stamped in your life. And God has given you the power and the ability to come into his presence and to go out of his presence representing him and representing him well. Amen. God's response to all of Moses' inadequacies and shortcomings is, look, I am with you. God's response to Moses, who am I, was, I am that I am. Moses went into the presence of God with, big, with a big question mark about his own identity. He was self-conscious, but he came out of the presence of God with a new identity, with a God consciousness on the inside of him. Listen, that will change your outlook on life to one of fear to confidence and boldness. How many know that we need to get into the presence of God and we need to hear the voice of God speaking to us? I am that I am. It's there in his presence that you discover who you are in Christ. You're not a victim, you're a victor. You're not subject to circumstances, you're a world overcomer. If God be in you, you have a greater one, the Holy Spirit. And no matter what circumstances you face, you have the greater one living and abiding within you. Where do you discover that? You discover that by having a personal encounter with the Lord and letting his presence minister to you. You know, when I come into the presence of the Lord, when I have my devotions, I always come in to the presence of the Lord prayerfully with my Bible open. Because that's where God speaks to us. He speaks to us through the scriptures. Can I get an amen? Here's a point. Let me get that up on the screen. It's not about who you are. It's about whose you are. 
Your spiritual identity and purpose is tied to you being in the presence of God, seeking Him first with an open Bible in your lap. Now, we know the importance every day. We need to come into the presence of God. How many know that's a lifelong work that needs to be accomplished? That there are all kinds of demands and distractions and things going on in our life. And the devil would love to crowd out that most important part of your daily existence of being in the presence of God. But when you come into the presence of God, he's going to deal with you. He's going to speak with you. And aren't you glad that God deals with us in a very kind and gracious manner? He's good and his mercy endures forever. And he never puts a thumb upon our lives. He always encourages us. He always woos us with his love. He always reminds us of his faithfulness. God will never, never, ever shame you. He removes the shame from our lives and he lifts us up. The psalmist said, he's the lifter of my countenance. When you get into the presence of God, your countenance is uplifted. Hope is restored. A positive, confident outlook about your, uh, about your future is established when you're in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Are you hungry for the presence of God? You know, the more you get into the presence of God, the more hungry you become. You know, it's, it doesn't become, oh, I have to pray. I have to do my devotions. It doesn't become a sense of drudgery. It becomes a, a sense of something you look forward. It's the highlight of your day, being in the presence of God, because you know there's a divine exchange that takes place. Your weakness for His strength. Hallelujah. Well, let's take a look at this, uh, another encounter that Moses had when he built what was called the Tent of Meeting or the Tabernacle of Moses. God had, it inst had instructed Moses after they came out of the Red Sea experience, they were to build a tabernacle or a tent of meeting. This would be the place where God would meet with the Israelites on a regular basis, on a daily basis. In fact, there was something very curious about this sign, similar to the burning bush. There was a fire that hovered over the tent of Moses by night and a cloud by day. Those were emblems of God's presence. And so let's go over to Exodus chapter 33 in verse 7. We see the account here. It says in verse 7, Moses took the tent and pitched it outside the camp, a good distance from the camp and called it the tent of meeting. I want you to just notice something here where the tent was pitched. It was pitched outside the camp. Keep that in the forefront of your mind. A good distance from the camp. And it was called the tent of meeting. And anyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. So whenever Moses went out of the tent, all of the people would rise up and stand, every man at the entrance of his tent and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. Verse 9, And when, whenever Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the entrance of the tent. And the Lord spoke with Moses. Verse 10, When all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, then all the people rose up and worshipped every man at the entrance of his tent. 
Verse 11, the Lord spoke to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. And when he returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tent. Now, here's a very simple principle we see in this portion of Scripture here. God instructed Moses to build a tent of meeting outside the camp. And that place where Moses would go on a regular basis was away from the children of Israel. It was away from the demands that were placed upon him. It was away from all the activity that was going on. And when he would go to that tent, when he entered into the entrance of that tent, the cloud would descend, and here we find Moses in his secret place. We all need a secret place that, is, that pulls us away from the demands of the day, the distractions that are around us, the fears, the things that we deal with. It's important that every day we are able to pull ourselves away into a place of meeting with God where His presence is ready to greet us. Hallelujah. And when that presence came down, no one could see what was going on between God and Moses. It was his secret place. We could, all, we could also call it his happy place. Put on a smile and say happy place, right? That was his happy place. That was his secret place. That was his time with God, a habit, a discipline, something that was day by day. You know, it would do you well if you, if you haven't already to have a place that you go to that's consistent with you, that helps you establish a habit every day, whether it's 15 minutes or 20 minutes, maybe it's a, a, a place in your home that you can designate that every time at such and such a time in the morning before I start with my day, I'm going to focus on my secret place. I'm going to hide myself in the presence of God. I'm going to be still and know that He is the God of my life. I'm going to put myself in a place of hearing. Boy, we need to be in that place. Because we're hearing all kinds of noise every day. We hear it on social media. We hear it on TV. We hear it on everything around us. We need to hear the voice of God in our life. And wouldn't it be better if we heard God speak to us first part of the day? Absolutely. I mean, you would do well to have a strong discipline, a, a strong habit of every single day. I'm going to devote a portion of my time before I get things rolling. I'm going to devote a portion of my time to sit and get quiet with my Bible open on my lap and let the Spirit of God speak to me. All you have to do is say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Lord, speak to me. And you know what? He will speak to you. He'll put knowings in your heart. He'll put pictures in your thought life. He'll put reminders in your heart of things that you've read in the scriptures before. He'll speak to you. And you'll know when he speaks to you because there's that profound sense of peace, that tangible peace 
That witness on the inside that says, yes, my Abba, my daddy, my father, he's my daddy. I'm in his lap. I'm reading his word. And the spirit of God is speaking to my, my, my heart. My ears are open. My eyes are open. I see what's in my life. I see what's in my future. I see where the hand of God wants to take me. I see God's plan for my future, for my family, for my vocation, whatever it might be. We need to hear the voice of God. In fact, the best way to be led by the Holy Spirit is start to get acclimated with the voice of God in your own life. That still small witness, that peace that passes all understanding. When, when you read the word, when you read the scripture and it comes lifting off the page and God is witnessing on the inside of you, this is for you. This is for you. This is for right now. Amen. We need that experience every day, something fresh. As I said, as the children of Israel walked through the wilderness, they had what? Fresh manna every day. If you're living off crumbs or stale food, it's not God's fault. You just have to discipline yourself. And I know that's a, that thing of consistency. We all deal with being more consistent. Having good, solid disciplines, disciplines, personal disciplines, habits of getting ourselves into the presence of God. Because when we do, He will speak to us. Amen. Are you with me? Listen to this point. If we are to cultivate the presence of God in our lives, then we need to establish a secret place where we give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to speak to us every day. That text of Scripture said that the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. Now, we know that that is an expression. He didn't literally speak to him face to face because in this next encounter, we see that God told Moses, you can't look at my face and live. So this is an expression of an intimate conversation that Moses had a conversation with the Lord as a friend would converse, right? It's conversational. God wants to have an ongoing conversation with each and every one of us about our life, about our future. Amen? And you know, what does a friend do? A friend encourages. A friend says, I believe in you. A friend lifts up. Amen? A friend is born for adversity, the scripture says. God wants to be a friend to us in that daily time. He wants to have conversations with us. He wants to speak, so to speak, face to face. Intimacy. Intimacy with God is cultivated. Can you say amen? And so having that habit in our life is absolutely essential. Remember the story of Elijah when he was running from Jezebel because of the threats he was being moved with fear. He runs out into the cave, out in the wilderness, and there God demonstrates th something. He shows them the fire. He shows them the earthquake. He shows them the, the wind, and, and God wasn't in any of that. But then all of a sudden he heard what? A still, small voice. And he wrapped himself up in his cloak. There he was in his secret place, and God began to speak to him. Boy, we need that in our life. We need to get acclimated with the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life. And we do that by having that habit, that discipline of that secret place that we run to and hear the voice of God in our life. Amen. Are you still glad you came today? 
I trust you're still watching online and listening. Here's another encounter that Moses had. As you know, Moses went up to the mount, got the Ten Commandments, and while that was taking place, you're familiar with the story of the golden calf and, and how they broke the law before it was even given, and Moses broke the tablets of stone. Now here he was going back up to the mount. God had given him a second chance. Aren't you glad we serve a God of a second chance? Everybody say second chance. And so here we are in Exodus chapter 34, and we see the account, Moses getting instruction from the Lord. And so Moses cut out two tablets of stone like the first, the first set of tablets. And Moses rose up early in the morning and went up to Mount Sinai, just as the Lord had commanded him. And took in his hand the two tablets of stone. He, they were two blank tablets. He was going to bring them up to the, to, the, the, to the top of the mountain. God was again going to write his commands upon the stone. Verse 5, Then the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with Moses there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Now listen to this. Moses is in the presence of God and he hears the voice of God. God is about to give Moses a revelation. Verse 6, the Lord passed by before Moses and proclaimed. This is not a whisper. This is a shout. This is a shout of emphasis. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in goodness and truth. Let's say that all together out loud. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in goodness and truth. That wasn't whispered to Moses. That was proclaimed like an announcement. God wanted to indelibly imprint upon his heart that God is a good God. And listen, you're not going to be convinced of his goodness until you get into his presence and you hear those scriptures you read the gospel of Jesus, you read the love letters of Paul, and God is amplifying that to your spirit. I am good. I will only deal with you in a good way. I have a good plan for your future. I am good, good, good all the way through. Amen. Hallelujah. The psalmist said, the goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's, what, that's the conclusion that David had as he was out in the field shepherding, worshiping God, singing in his presence. He came away with the understanding that God will only do him good all the days of his life. Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. Are you convinced that God wants to be good in your life? What conclusion have you come away from reading the Gospels? Do you come with a conclusion that God is good? What conclusion do you come away with when you read the letters of Paul? Do you realize that God is good, that he's for you, he's with you, he wants to work on your behalf? If you've made that conclusion up here in your head, you haven't gone far enough. You need to get into the presence of God and feed on that and meditate upon that and let the Spirit of God speak to you. Let Him convince you 
that He is good in your situation. Let Him convince you that He's good in your tests and your trial, that He wants to invade your circumstances, and He wants to turn things around for your good. Why is that? Because He is good. Hallelujah. The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. The Scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Well, I just came out of the presence of God and I had my time with God and man, I saw what God did in, in the gospels through his son, Jesus, how he forgave sin, he healed the sick, he paid taxes. Man, if he did it for them, he's gonna do it for me. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So when I come out of the presence of God, I've got something to say. Hallelujah. God's love is impressing upon my heart. That what he did in the Bible for others, he'll do for me. Isn't that the problem we all deal with when we get up in the morning, we look in the mirror and we think about what I did, what I said, where I am, my attitude, my habits. Hello, somebody. Come on now. And that's where we need to hear the love of God, the message of that love, that proclamation. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in goodness. Well, he's abounding in goodness to us today. Amen. Do you know that? Are you convinced of that? Listen, if you stand in your test and, and your trial and your challenges and your problems unflinched, then yes, you've been in the presence of God and God has spoken to you and you are convinced of the love of God for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's read on the story here. And this is the same meeting. He's up at the mount, 40 days. And something curious happens here. In verse 29, when Moses came down Mount Sinai, carrying the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant. In other words, God wrote the covenant on those two tablets of stone. That's pretty wild, isn't it? He wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. So when Aaron and the people of Israel saw the radiance of Moses' face, they were afraid to come near to him. But Moses called out to them and asked Aaron and all the leaders of the community to come over, and he talked with them. Then all the people of Israel approached him, and Moses gave them all the instructions the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. And verse 33 says, when Moses finished speaking with them, he covered his face with a veil. We could call this a veil, couldn't we? Hello? He covered his face with a veil. Now, isn't that fascinating that when Moses came down from the mount for 40 days, spending time in the presence of God, he did not know that his face was glowing. So here's, here's the story. God told Israel to come together for a second chance. So all of Israel is outside on the, at the base of the mountain. Seventy elders are uh, told to go halfway up the mountain. And then Mo, uh, Moses and his assistant Joshua, Joshua goes up a little further up into the mountain. And Moses is at the top of the mountain. What's at the top of the mountain? The cloud. He went into that cloud and for 40 days he spent time in the presence of God and he came out with a glow on his face. His face glowed like a light bulb. 
True story. That's not a myth. He glowed with the glory of God. And people knew that he was in the presence of God because of the countenance that was on his face. Amen, amen, amen. When you're in the presence of God, now he was there fasting. He had quality time and quantity time. Listen, you hang around God long enough, something's going to rub off on you. Something is going to be imparted to you. His glory, His presence, His supernatural joy, His supernatural peace, that sense of righteousness and confidence that comes from being in the presence of the Lord, that will rub off on you and people will see that you have been with the Lord. Amen. 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 That's what makes us a powerful witness is when we're in that secret place, spending time with God, God speaking to us, and there's also impartations being made to us. We are being transformed in the presence of God. And that's what happened to Moses. He was transformed in the presence of God. He came out with a radiant, with a radiant glow on his face. Let's read on in the next portion of Scripture. Well, uh, where are we here? Yeah, let me put this remark up here. Cultivating the presence of God will mark you with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's supernatural. Would you agree that that glow on Moses' face was supernatural? That was supernatural. Yeah. And so when we have extended time in the presence of the Lord, there's going to be an anointing upon our lives, a presence on our life. And that's what makes us a witness. Now let's jump forward to the next scripture. Now this says, now this wasn't a one-time experience, but this happened frequently. Verse 34 says, but when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off to, when he came out. Then he came out and spoke to the children of Israel what he had been commanded. The children of Israel saw the face of Moses that the skin of Moses shone. And then Moses put the veil back over his face again until he went to speak with the Lord. Is there another scripture after that? I think that's it. Okay. Uh, so here, here is Moses. He comes out and he has glory on his face. And he speaks the word of the Lord to the people. And then he goes and puts his mask back on. And then when he goes back into the presence of God, he takes the veil off. And then when he comes out of the presence of God to speak to the people, he takes the veil off. But when he goes back to his regular daily uh, you know, activities, he puts the mask on. Now, I, I was studying that for a while. It took me a, a number of hours to figure out, Lord, why the veil? Why the veil? Why did Moses wear a veil that would cover up the glory of God that was on his face? Wouldn't you have the same question? I thought that to be curious. But that veil was a sign to the children of Israel that the presence of God was off limits. That they could not enter into the presence of God. Only one man could enter into the presence of God, and that was Moses. But thank God there came a time when that presence was made available to us. Our Jesus came down in this world 
took upon himself flesh and he became the veil that would be removed for us so that we could have access to the presence of God. Someone say amen to that. The good news for us today is that Jesus has removed the veil. We have access to the presence of God. Amen. When Jesus gave up the ghost back there at Calvary 2,000 years ago, you remember the event. He said, Father, it is finished. I give up my spirit to you. And when he did, made those words uh, known to the Father, at three o'clock in the afternoon, he gave up the ghost and the Bible says an angel tore the veil of the temple from top to bottom, signifying that the way into the Holy of Holies was now accessible to everyone, to everyone who's hungry, to everyone who desires to be in God's presence. It's available to you because Jesus shed his blood so that you can come into the presence of God without inhibition, without being self-conscious, without feeling unworthy. Jesus' blood made a way for you to come into the presence of God. Hallelujah. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for his blood today. Amen. Jesus' death and resurrection became our guarantee to God's presence, 24-7 God, access to the presence of God. You can step into the presence of God anytime, any place, with any mood that you're in. Whether you feel like God is a mile away or you feel that he's close, anytime, any place, you can step into the presence of God. It's not because of who you are. It's because of whose you are. His blood laid claim on your life. You belong to God now. And he cares about you. And he wants to have meetings with you. And he wants to disclose who he is to you and I. Hallelujah. That's good news. And God wants to bring about a transformation in our lives today. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15, Paul talks about all of these uh, events that we read through, these scriptures that we read through in the Old Testament. He's referring back to these scriptures in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15, it reads, But even to this day when Moses is read, the veil is on their hearts, speaking of unbelievers. Verse 16, nevertheless, when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, believers, seeing the glory of the Lord with unveiled faces, as in a mirror, are being what? Transformed into the same image from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. The Old Testament had God's presence housed in a tent of meeting, in a temple. It was limited. No one had access to the presence of God like Moses or the high priests of the Old Testament. But Jesus came and split that veil wide open so that the Holy of Holies could now be deposited in our hearts. Amen. Your spirit has the Holy Spirit. You have the ability to step right in to the presence of God. Hallelujah. And when you do, something's going to take place. I love this verse here. But we all, I'll go back to that verse, please. 2 Corinthians 3.18. 
But we all seen the glory of the Lord with unveiled faces as in a mirror are being transformed into the same image. You know, God's word is the mirror. And when you get yourself into the presence of God and open up the scriptures, the Holy Spirit will impart those scriptures, those truths into your life. And when that happens, transformation takes place. He begins to transform your life into the image of his dear son, Jesus. You begin to look more like Jesus. You begin to talk more like Jesus. You literally become the hands and feet of Jesus to your family, to your spouse, to the world that's around you. And it all goes back to the presence of God. Where's the starting point? It's found in James. In James chapter 4, verse 7. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let me encourage you one more time. Don't let your loyalty be divided between God, your Father, and the world around you. Put him front and center. Make him the most important thing in your life. Be honest and real with yourself and be honest and real with God. Don't run from God because of sin, because of your shortcomings, because of habits or attitudes in your life. Take all of those with you and bring them right into the presence of God. Just be honest with God. God, here I am. This is where I'm at right now. And God will love you. God will show kindness to you. God will reveal himself to you. And in the process, those things will fall off. You'll be changed. You'll be transformed in the presence of God. Let's close our eyes. And let's give God the opportunity to demonstrate his presence in our lives. Lord, we hunger for more of you. We so want to be in your presence. We want to hear your spirit speaking loud and clear to us. We want to know the path that you have for our future. It all begins by making a decision that every day I'm gonna cultivate the presence of God in my life. I'm gonna find my secret place. I'm gonna approach God with reverence with an open book on my lap, with the, with the Bible open on my lap. And I'm gonna let the spirit of God deal with me. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. He lives in us. We have our own holy of holies, our own secret place. At any time, in any situation, we can draw near to you, Lord, and you will draw near to us. Perhaps you're here watching online today or you're here in the sanctuary or you're upstairs in the cafe and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You don't have that secret place. You don't have that holy of holies I'm, I was talking about here in the sermon today. But you can have a secret place. You can experience the presence of God. You can experience forgiveness from all of your sin. You can have the, your, your slate wiped clean because of what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago. He shed his blood. He gave his life for you and I so that we could have free and complete access into the presence of God. If you've never prayed, Lord, be my Lord today. Jesus, come into my heart. 
today. If you've never prayed that prayer today, I want to lead you in that simple prayer to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. If you're here today and that says, Pastor Tom, that's me. I'd I'd like you to pray for me. Just raise your hand. If you're watching online, you can raise your hand too. God sees that hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. And we'll pray that simple prayer to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Hallelujah. I believe there's those that are watching online. You've never made that decision in your life to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. It's just so simple. It's just an acknowledgement. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Jesus, be Lord of my life. That's all you have to do. And so would you pray this prayer with me? I'm going to ask everyone here in the sanctuary to just repeat as I pray. God in heaven, I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I accept you. Forgive me. Receive me into your life. Right now, I believe I'm born again. I have the Holy Spirit. I have access to the presence of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I trust that you learned something good. Let's cultivate the presence of God in our life. Can I get an amen?